0: Welcome to Conspiracy of Light, a podcast about Babylon 5 and all the little nooks and crannies that the story allows us to nestle in, get hooked on, and get really deep about. Uh, my name is Woody Harris, and I am joined by my effervescent co-host, Hostway Cardona.
1: Woo! The depth, the depth of this show. That's the what depth, I'm here the,
0: for. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> So today we're talking about Legacies, which is the 17th episode of season one of Babylon 5. And uh, it had two kind of beats to it. One side is we've got this story about a a teenage girl who's experiencing her first experience with uh, psychokinetic powers. She's kind of discovering that she's a psychic. And then that kind of plays into the secondary story, or maybe the primary story, which depending on whichever you look at it, they were both interwoven pretty well, uh which is the story of this really important military leader, um the shy elite uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember his name.
1: I don't remember his name either.
0: I felt like it was important enough uh <laughs> The shy elite Brandmer, who's a he's a respected military leader, and uh, he's this is a strange Membari ritual where they're going to. It's almost like when a president lies in state in the U.S. and they take his body to various places, or they put him in, you know, in the Capitol, or they put him in some place yeah. where he can be seen and and revered and noted for his accomplishments. This is the same for this shy elite brand mirror who's going to be taken i guess all over the galaxy to celebrate his leadership as a military leader um so a very bizarre ritual uh but it it is something that we actually do have some basis for comparison in our everyday american life
1: yeah i I thought that that was really interesting the like how much does that cost Like you've got one of your biggest warships, like in, in a like with the guns out, right? It's like it's a, it's a like a salute kind of thing. It's it's yeah. they're mourning, but then the the reasoning behind it seemed to be that this this one uh, the elite, wow, what was his name? Um,
0: uh, elite Narun? Yeah, yeah. The person Neroon. who's basically leading this procession for shy elite Branmer.
1: Yeah, but he's doing it against the wishes of a lot of people. And his his motivation for it is really strange. It's like he's it's like he it's like it's his favorite soldier and he wanted to make sure that, you know, he received like he received the highest honor possible and he didn't care what other people thought. He didn't even care what what the person who died wanted,
0: apparently. Right. Right. Because yeah. The Shy Elite, so there's a little bit a little bit of an edge to this, and that is that the Shy Elite was he was part of the warrior caste, but he was also part of the religious caste. Yeah. So yeah. in a little bit he's kind of a hybrid of the two.
1: According to Delenn, like he is he's like like his mom was of the religious order and his father yep. was of the warrior caste. Yep. So it almost sounds I'm, I'm not sure if the casts are uh if there's like a, a racial uh aspect to that right um if it's like oh like you married outside of your race or or if it's simply like oh two different castes came together I don't know how common that is in in that culture yeah but uh, Dylan did say that the the mother's cast has um precedence like yeah it is is the most important so but but that part is interesting. But the most interesting thing is that he was like he, he was a, a religious person. Like he was. Um. I mean, he had a religious role, right? I forgot yes. she said she, he was a priest. Yes. And then when the war started, it was like, well, everybody's got to fight.
0: And so he he joined the warrior cast at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so this, he, this 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 priest becomes warrior. And suddenly, this warrior caste uh, elite Naroon wants to <laughs> celebrate his life with this almost like open casket show off, uh, show off of his nature. And it turns out that that's not even normal procedure for anyone. It's it's a high honor, but also at the same time, it's not a normal procedure. And so, and then as you said, it comes down to the fact that the shy elite Bronmer was supposed to be. Um, he 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 didn't want this. This yeah. was not his wish.
1: And but then, ironically, he also became one of the greatest warriors that the Mambari ever had. Apparently, so yeah. so like they, his people want to recognize him, right? Like that cast wants to recognize him as the warrior that he was, but they're completely disrespecting the the priest that he was before and and his wishes according to the len yeah i th- i thought it was i thought it was really interesting i love that peek into Minbari culture we've got aliens again this week so i'm very happy about this episode <laughs> i have no no complaints <laughs> i i really like that it was it was really interesting and everyone's motivations like again like the rooms aren't aren't so super clear to me still I, they may just be as simple as like you know he, he believes that anybody from—and that may be it. I may be reading into it too much, but I just think that it's it's a warrior. He was a great warrior. He he deserves this great recognition, and Delenn doesn't see him that way, so she wants to do something. She thinks that it should be taken care of differently.
0: So let's get a little more history on this, because you learned a little bit more about the Earthman Bari War, and you learned a little bit more about the Great Council in that whole— Piece on what was going on with this this uh, this line in state this uh, bringing the shy into uh, into Babylon Five. So to begin with, uh, the Earth mimbari War started with the death of the religious leader Dukat. Hmm. Um, and I I don't know what the relationship that uh, Brandmeier had with. With Ducat at the time, but we know that that's, and we also know that it was the Grey Council that made the decision that the war would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it appears that the Grey Council uh, rules over everything, right? Because, like, uh, when when uh, Delin has to confront uh, Narun later in the episode, it seems as if he's almost like totally like okay yes yes I will do what you say exactly what you say yes I will do it.
1: Oh, she pulled rank
0: definitely. Yeah, she pulled rank, and and it was clear that he felt that pull of rank because his his whole demeanor changed into this kind of like almost you can't see Naroon as being mousish, but if you can see a warrior cast Naroon being mousish, he was that. Yeah. yeah, he became smaller in front of her, and she really, she really. Like, this is this is the strength of D'Lynn, and you're facing it, and this is the strength of the Grey Council, and you're facing it right now. Yeah. So those were interesting things to to bring into play because we didn't know, and we still don't know a lot about the Earth-Mimbari War, but we know that, and we also know that uh, this created a rift. Well, I mean, the rift, it was obvious, between Narun and Sinclair at first because obviously Sinclair fought on the line, and uh they can maybe respect each other as warriors, but uh uh Narun is very um suspicious of Sinclair and the same with Sinclair of Narun.
1: Narun doesn't like humans, period. Right. <laughs> he said he said we should have wiped you all out. And and for Sinclair it was really uncomfortable because in uh, like he fought against the guy that they were showing. Right? So yeah. So he had been on the receiving end of his great, uh, you know, tactics and, and, and soldiering. <laughs> I, have, I don't have words today, but yeah, but, I, well, uh, I can't
0: imagine what it's like to have your enemy brought into your house yeah, paraded around. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this great guy who almost destroyed the entire human race. No, I
1: I never really thought that Sinclair might have, like, uh, PTSD from the war. They don't really show—I I don't really remember anything really, sh- you know, being like that, especially, like, for the most part, he can't remember. Yeah. But when he saw that warship, like, he immediately—like, we saw a flashback, but I, yeah, I, we I, saw, saw I interpreted it as, as him having an intrusive memory, basically, right? He was like, oh, <laughs> no, not again. You know, I haven't seen one of those things in years.
0: Right, uh, and look so, at the size of that thing it's it's about it it stands taller than Babylon Five itself, yeah, it couldn't yeah. possibly come onto the ship. In yeah. fact, if anything, Babylon Five might be able to no it's not it's not big enough that Babylon Five could come onto it, but it's a really large ship. yeah, yeah, and it is pretty forbidding. I mean, with the gun ports open and coming straight at I mean, of course, I think there's definitely some PTSD going on there because he's definitely I mean even watching uh Garibaldi. Yeah. Garibaldi's having a little flash of it too, and everybody's kind of on edge as a result yeah they're they've still got their gun ports open, yep, and then he asks for the gun ports to be closed, and Naroon answers, "I don't have to explain to you why I do anything human
1: yep and again it was it was we we learned that it's ceremonial, but still. And I think uh what Sinclair was asked like, is that accept is that acceptable? And he said barely. Yeah, he did
0: say barely. Like <laughs> like she's supposed to, she's getting him to close the gun ports basically, and yeah. uh yeah, that's still barely acceptable.
1: Yeah, he's like, No, there's still a giant warship right outside
0: my ship. Right. So. <laughs> and I've seen it destroy multiple people that I love and care about. Yeah, yeah. Whew, poor Sinclair. Yeah it's a hell of a it's a hell of an experience for him, yeah yeah so let's let's switch over to the other side, which is where we have alyssa Beldon she is a teenager, she's walking in the zokolo and Ivanova and Talia are sitting together, and she suddenly just like holds her head in pain and falls down and I forget what Talia calls it. I don't know remember if it was a mind quake or a mind burst a mind burst, thank you, yeah. And so Talia recognizes that this is an emerging telepath, and she goes to her and she tries to calm her down, and she tries to teach her how to build a wall with her mind, so that she can block out all the other voices. Because I guess maybe uh, we're supposed to assume that Alyssa has never had an experience like this before, so it just comes on suddenly when you're in your teens, maybe, and then you just got to deal with it. Um, And she's puberty, she said. Yeah. And she's given the opportunity, basically, you know, from from Talia, that you can go to Cycor. We'll take care of you. And uh, it seems that Alyssa has no, been living no. kind of in no, down no, no. below. No, no, no,
1: it was more like you have to go to Cycor.
0: Yeah, it was. You have to go yeah. to Cycor. It wasn't really so much a choice. But I think Talia was trying to present it as a choice so that she would get the girls' agreement. Mm-hmm because apparently if you have psi abilities and you are from earth you are required <laughs> to be part of Psychor, or you're required to take the drugs or you're required to go to jail one of the three
1: No, Alyssa was really like the way that talia sold it to her she at the end she even said like the price was right which was i've been homeless uh for for two years yeah and you're going to give me a stipend for clothes and food and a salary yep like oh like, where where have you been all my life? You know, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, but but then you know when Ivanova tells her about all the horrible things, you know, it, it's really interesting. I I love like I love this part of Ivanova, and I love that the story. Like w- last week, I, I I talked about like yeah, we know this part of her story already, and when we saw the dream and everything, it was like okay, but but what happens next, and and will that lead to something else, and. It's a, it's this story, it's this backstory, right, to Ivanova that keeps coming up in different ways. And I really like the way it came up here, where like, I knew the moment that she saw the girl and that she saw that Talia was, like, you know, going to recruit her, she was like, I knew she would come up with some way to avoid that because she doesn't want anybody to go through what her mother went through. Right. She is so against it. And I love the way she played it. And I loved, I think maybe that was like a theme in, in this episode, right? Like, nobody. With the exception of when uh, when uh, Sinclair was assaulted, it was a lot of politicking. It was um, diplomacy, like Sinclair yeah. said at, at one point. And it was like, no, no, we're going to talk to different people. We're going to talk things over. We're going to pull rank. We're going to see, you know, what's going on. We're going to offer different. Um, there were a lot of different viewpoints, right, in both stories, mm-hmm. like. The opinions of what should be done with that warrior and his body were completely different. Uh, like we saw two different sides, and here we saw multiple uh, possibilities for Alyssa. I, I really like that she had, like, that we were able to see these. You know, I'm sorry, yeah. Lando couldn't come in and offer something else yeah. too.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does seem like they left him. They left out. They left out Lando, and they left out uh, Kosh in terms of like the True. major alien races.
1: True, true. Well man, who who even knows if the Vorlon like see like have like latent psychics I feel like they're all psychic. I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's no we have no clue anything about a Vorlon right now. Yeah. Not really. I mean it's just been mystery after mystery in terms of Vorlons. Yeah. Now, I, always, I always I like, always
1: missed like, a but Natoth was pretty funny this episode.
0: <laughs> so so yeah, Natoth is offering the possibility um talk to me about how Tatoth was funny because i'm not remembering it right now i apologize
1: (laughs) well she well she um like she first of all i just love the the narn perspective right and they're like very open and he she's like listen there's we're the only race who doesn't have uh psychics we want to figure it out we'll like we'll give you everything you need and we just need you know genetic samples from you Couple, uh, you know, you'll be the mother of, of psychics, and I don't know. That whole thing is kind of funny to me. But then at the end, uh, when when Ivanova is telling her, like, oh, why don't why don't you check her teeth? Why don't you? You know, and she's like, oh, should I? Hmm,
0: yeah, that's a good yeah. idea.
1: Maybe I should. I don't know. And she was like sassy, you know, with everybody. I don't know. I I, I forgot. I forgot. Uh, I like Natoth.
0: <laughs> I like Natoth as a character. She's yeah. uh, she's uh, one of my favorite Narns, yeah. uh, aside from Jakar, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, I think she, she does a great job in her role. So uh, so um, Alyssa touches Natath's mind and she sees that maybe this ain't going to be such a great thing with the Narn. She kind of shrinks back and says, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound like... I, I, actually, she had a pretty visceral reac- reaction, right? Yeah, she
1: said that it was cold and empty. Yeah. and. That it didn't feel like touching a human brain. Very alien is what yeah. she said, I think. Yeah. And later Talia said, or or maybe it was Ivanova that said that, you know, there's, like, without training, it can be overwhelming to enter a mind that isn't human. And I don't know, I, I at first I was like, oh, like, she saw, it's funny that she said cold and mm-hmm. and empty because... At first, I thought that she meant like, oh, like she is, she's just evil. But, but she's not. You know, the the way that uh Sinclair described that afterwards, I think it was Sinclair. Maybe it was Ivanova, was that like they they as a people were tortured for so long, and that they, their singular focus right now is to conquer. You know, to conquer into and into and to be conquerors. Right, that never. I don't know, he said to be conquered. I, I think it's more like to never be conquered again. But
0: yeah, I think it's to stand on our own and not have to yeah. deal with this crap ever again. Yeah,
1: and and I don't think that that's evil, but I can see how that can be cold and empty, you know, and how that can be like a, it's not a bright uh, feeling, you know, and if she was able to tap into that collective feeling, you know, that, that all these Narn um, have, like because like, yeah, the Toth is like, Yeah, she was sassy and she was funny and Jakarta I think is hilarious and but they're also really smart and like but they're also like sneaky and scheming but like underneath that like personality on the outside there's some there's some serious uh trauma underneath that and it feels like Alyssa was able to tap into that and I I, I like the way she described it because it made me think for a while about about the Narn experience
0: Yeah, I mean, these are, I mean, they're the most subjugated race in in our story so far, it seems, um, having been occupied by the Centauri for so long. And, um, you know, Londo seems like he could be a nice enough guy, but you can also see that he could just easily use a Narn as a coffee table. Uh, (laughs) So Excellently uh, worded. Yes, that's exactly,
1: (laughs) yeah.
0: I could just see him putting his foot up, like, just... You just bend over there, and I'll just put my feet up on you um yep. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a lot going on and and I think Narn mindset is probably pretty alien in the first place because they they look almost uh um, i would say maybe more reptilian in their uh biology, so that that can play into that too, i guess I don't know um but anyway there's yeah. there's apparently yeah. another option for uh for Alyssa, and that is to go with the mimbari, which uh I guess uh I guess somebody talked to Delenn maybe it was Ivanova who had the idea, but and Delenn says, "Hey, on our planet, uh, telepaths are treated with nothing but respect, they are um, they are revered, they are well taken care of, they are fed, and uh, pretty much sounds like she's getting the best deal she can from the membari."
1: Hmm, I if if what she wants to do is have uh, some sort of autonomy, I don't know that that was the best deal. Like, and the, why way so? that, the, way the the way that the way that Delen described it was uh to us psychics are um they provide a service to the community. And So, you're going to take on this role where it sounds like she was like a monk, right? Kind of, where it's like you're just left to your own devices, but you're going to help people when you can. And right, you provide a service
0: to the people, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it felt like she was being enlisted to provide social services, where in Psycorps, she was being enlisted uh, basically into the military and uh for the Narn she was going to be enlisted as a lab rat, and I don't know i think i i feel like if she would have gone with the with the Narn, she would have had more i don't know maybe she would have been more free in the sense that like she had money she had her her responsibilities were were fewer <laughs> with the Narn yeah, although the possibility does exist that, again, I think it was Sinclair who said, like, you know, you might end up uh, a slave, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I don't know. I kind of, I kind of believed Natath, you know, that it's like, they just wanted the genetic sample. They just want anybody who'd be willing to help. And, and so I don't, I don't know that the Mimbari deal was the, again, the most autonomous because she didn't. It, it it sounded like, and again, this is coming from a, ra- uh, a, a race of aliens who have caste systems and very like clear um, delineations of, of of who people are and what their roles are. Like, if she was going to be put into that role, I don't yeah. see any upward mobility. I don't see the opportunity to be able to to have a different kind of life if that was the role that she took on. I may be wrong. It may be. It may be you know, that these people are more like she used the word revered, but, uh, yeah, that they're, that they are like, they're considered high, a higher class and therefore have more, uh, rights than maybe other people do. And maybe she could just come and go as she please and just ask for things and get them. And I don't know, it was a very different, it was a very different life. I don't know which one I would have chosen.
0: Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, the (laughs) options are very limited no matter which way you go. And basically in all of these situations, you're a pawn in somebody's game, for the most part.
1: That's that's how I see it. Yeah,
0: but I'm I'm thinking, you know, if you look at Alyssa, she's been living probably down below. She's probably scavenging from the Zocalo, Um, pickpocketing when she can, you know, because she took uh, she took something for Ivanova, I think she took um, her communicator. Yeah. <laughs> um. So she she's got she's got good sleight of hand. But she's basically learned to distrust most people. She has not had—I don't know how a girl this age gets into a situation like this, but it's clear that she doesn't have anybody there that she cares about who's checking in on her except for the people who have suddenly adopted her to help her as a result of finding her now. Because prior to that, she was nobody. She was just somebody on the Zocalo that nobody paid attention to, and now suddenly this moment happens, and now she's special. Yeah. Um, so three versions of social services come in basically to take care of her. And it's her first time being offered help from anybody. So everything looks appealing to her. She does at least at some point have the autonomy to say, I just want to see what all my options are
1: and I like that.
0: Yeah. I, but she never is able to sort of be what i mean. like, she's not, she can't live her best life, so to speak, um, in any of these situations.
1: This is, I love the way you you worded this in, in like as a social services situation because she is a minor, yeah, and she kind of doesn't have she, she can't really choose you know and there's all these people offering her possibilities and Ivanova in this case is like in case in this sense is like a caseworker where yeah. she's trying to find uh, possibilities for her that aren't the you know like the first one again she's 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 homeless and orphaned. So, I guess any of these things would have been better, but I don't know. I I, I like that idea of Ivanova as a social worker, as a caseworker, trying to help her out, and just uh, having the best possible outcome of a really horrible situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen it that way before.
0: I hadn't seen it that way until today. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, I was trying to see, you know, you try to draw clear uh, sort of parallels between what's going on in Babylon 5 and what's going on, on our in our lives, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the one that's most obvious to me, seeing as how I deal with, you know, uh, social services on a regular basis. Yeah. It's um, obvious now. And kids that age. Yeah, it's <laughs> obvious now. I <laughs> hadn't thought about it before. Um, But, the, you know, it. it I think what, it, it's because she's talking with the Lynn. That we get a glimpse into something that uh, Dillon knew that no one else knew that Dillon wasn't letting on, which is basically, oh, we didn't get to the part where the body was gone.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. But we can, I mean, we can, we can jump right to that, right? Like the, the body disappeared in the middle of one of those ceremonies.
0: Well, it and, didn't disappear in the middle of the ceremony. They discovered it gone because they were, you know, they took it to the space and they're going to exactly. open it, to, and they wanted everybody to see it, and then it's not there. True, true. <laughs> uh, and so there's there's this kind of attempt by Garibaldi and his team to find uh, the uh, find the shy, and uh, even Narun goes to Sinclair's quarters, rips them apart looking for the shy, which doesn't make a lot of sense because why would he store? this dead body in his quarters um, <laughs> but Narun's acting on emotion obviously yes um, but so we get to this point where Alyssa is hanging out with Delin and you know talking about her options and I guess something happened maybe maybe Sinclair mentioned something or there was no no there was no mention she just touched this piece of Delin's mind without yep. any awareness of what's going on actually at yep. all yep she you know she knew about the body suddenly she knew that delenn knew where the body was and, and that the body had been cremated basically
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well what she knew was that delenn was aware like the, delenn was yeah. somehow involved she well she saw delenn stealing the body basically yeah and and so when they can, when Sinclair and Garibaldi confronted delenn she admitted it but that was so interesting the way that she she had this whole plan, right? She was gonna say that it was a a miracle, basically. That yeah, that his body religion, just
0: uh, evaporated, basically.
1: Transformed or it, was the word that she that she used.
0: Became you a force ghost. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, oh, and before they mentioned also that it was like the vessel of the soul. Yes. And I need to I need to re- revisit uh, that episode where she's got the souls and like she's she's like remember the. It's the, oh, the, yeah, the soul hunter. the guy was taking souls. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like she like we see like she's got the souls there. <laughs> it's like so I was like, Oh, wait a minute, like is it still in the body? Like what, what exactly happened? Like they didn't explore that this time, but but there's you know, th- there's a very spiritual aspect to it. There is and and apparently this is something that can happen, right? So she was gonna declare it a miracle, basically. And in a way it it's like the the most Warrior cast thing that you can do is whip out the guns on the on the warship and parade it all over the galaxy. Yeah. And the most uh, religious cast thing that you can do is to trans have your body transformed Make a body disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like he was so holy, you know, that his body just like like you said it became a force ghost. And it's funny that they were both pushing uh, pulling in those two directions to basically tell a story i mean this makes sense right so the the title of the episode is legacies right? right and so really like what is the person's legacy right that that's what they're trying to show and i guess the 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 title makes sense that there are two legacies that that are, are fighting right or two people are fighting to have a particular legacy be the story that is told like what's the how do you how do you cap that's the story of this person that you admire greatly. Do you yeah, you're tell ultimately
0: framing him in your own light, basically? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and Delenn was able to do ironically, right, uh, he was a priest, then he was a warrior and like he kicked ass as a warrior. But ultimately Delenn pulled rank and had him and is go and the story that's going to be told, including by the uh, by Narun, is that his body transformed. Because he's so holy, and and that's incredible, right? It's like he 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 probably didn't want that either, <laughs> right? Yeah. He just, but uh, but the two stories, you know, they they fought and and Dylan won in the end.
0: You know, there's a fascinating piece here that I, I'm just kind of realizing that is, you know, once you're dead, you no longer have the right to dictate your story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's whatever anybody saw you as, and now that's what you are. Yep. Um, I I think they managed to to be able to satisfy both sides of the caste system at this point. Um, with Depends where New we were on the tour. Agreeing to do the 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 the, the mili- to do the the spiritual to say the spiritual thing happened, but he also had his chance to do his military thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it is a, a fascinating clash between their two cultures, and you can kind of see like it's interesting to note that the religious caste even agreed to go into war in the first place cuz typically that's not what you would expect a religious caste to do um or maybe i don't know it depends that's, on your it depends on which part of history you're looking at right um,
1: yeah 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 exactly but but there is I mean, a lot they, of they, mystery they have here kind still. of a
0: buddhist zen vibe to them so that's where it's like oh you know buddha didn't declare war or anything yeah um yeah but, that that warrior side's still present, I guess, in everybody for the most part um, yeah. and then the Great council, I guess, is the as far as we can see at this point, and i I don't even actually know if I know the full answer, I think the great council sort of trumps both religious and warrior caste by by forming a body of of government that is uh able to synthesize all these different motivations and ideas together
1: i don't know this this episode presented an interesting idea which is that the mambari are the most i don't know i'm going to use the word angelic looking (laughs) right yeah uh but they're the ones with the most to hide is is you know they they're the ones with the biggest mystery they're the ones with the most power they're the ones who can exert control and have exerted control over different situations and people. Like, I don't know, like the great council scares me. Right? Yeah. And like the, the more I get to know the, the Len, the, the more scared I am of her. Like, Remember she's got like power rings in, in her room. And yeah. when she was like moving stuff around today, I was like, what, what is that? Like, who knows? Um, and there is a big mystery. I think, I think, you know, why did they agree to go to war? You know, I think that's a, that's obviously a mystery that we don't know anything about yet.
0: Right, There's... and why did they agree to stop? war? Because they were about to win. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, all of that is like, it's, it's, I don't know. Chrysalis. That's what,
0: what it is. What about chrysalis? <laughs> I don't know. What
1: is it? <laughs> right? Like, like again like uh, I I love this episode a lot because there's there's all these mysteries and listen, just one new word at the end <laughs> is enough to like move, to to keep me coming back.
0: Can you remind me of how that show that that shows up in the end of the story there? Sure, sure. So Sinclair is talking
1: to Alyssa. He's saying goodbye to her at the end. And he asked oh, her
0: the one word that she got from from DeLynn. Yeah.
1: He said is did you see anything else when you peered into Delenn's mind? She said there was just this one word, and once I I I got close to it, she retreated. And you know he's got like he's 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 very satisfied with what he just did, you know, because he discovered something it's just a word, but it's something that is obviously important to her, something, it's a secret that she's keeping. Like, like through Sinclair, we know that the Mumbari cannot be trusted. And we know that Delenn is hiding stuff from him. She's, yeah. she's hiding a whole bunch of stuff, right? Like she's not, I forgot. She's not just great counsel. She's like, well, at first, she didn't tell people she was part of the Great Council, right? So, like a lot of right. people don't and, and know. I that. don't think
0: that's even public knowledge at this point. Yeah, yeah, but Obviously, also I feel Neroen like she knows, but it's not meant to be public knowledge, otherwise.
1: Right, right, but I feel like she's not just Great Council; she's like Queen of the Great Great Council, right? And like so maybe why the is leader she of
0: the Great Council or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. So again, lots of mysteries. Nothing. Like all we got is a word, but that's <laughs> that's enough for Sinclair to keep sniffing around and find out some more stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean you've got this dark space and you keep pulling little bits of information from it and that that's enough to keep you satisfied for a little while. At least keep you coming back like, Okay, now how do I get more? How do I get more? How do I get more? Yeah. Yeah. The Membari brain is the crack on which we feed. It, it,
1: <laughs> it is it is for me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's just lots of mysterious going on around Delyn. She's and it, it's it's interesting because she can look like such a demure character at times. But yeah. then if she's ready to take command yeah. by God, she's gonna take demand command. Yeah. yeah.
1: And we've seen her upset before and we've seen her raise her voice and you know, and she definitely has a presence to her. But again, yeah. this idea that like you mentioned like like Buddhist, Zen, all this kind of stuff, right? Like, I use the word angelic, right? They're, they're yeah. the, they wear the lightest colors. They have true. Like, the smoothest skin, right? It's like, oh, yeah, everything is is nice and pretty. And I think, I don't know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if in the end we find out that the Mimbari are, are like, they're the bad guys, you know? The general.
0: devils of the universe. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or it it could also be that they are, they are so powerful. Like they're they a lot of the decisions maybe are trying to avoid greater things, but they 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 exist on another level. Meaning that, you know, like they see everybody else as lesser. So that's why they're moving pieces around. Which they are, right? Which they, they they're moving pieces on this chessboard and and they're the players and we're the or all the other races
0: We're all are the, the pawns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just a little bit from uh uh, JMS about uh, the Mimbari. Um, he says, From cradle to grave, the Mimbari are taught there is no greater goal, no nobler thing than to serve. They are raised to be totally self-sacrificing. The only exception is when someone in the religious caste believes he or she has received a calling, which if sincerely felt cannot be contravened, since it's usually too involved serving. So for a Mimbari telepath, this is their means by which they may serve, and they are given great respect. It never even occurs to them to do otherwise.
1: Yeah, but Alyssa's not Membari, right? So that's why I feel like no. It's but like, but hmm. it, they're
0: giving you some kind of idea of what the Membari think of telepaths ultimately.
1: Yeah, and that idea of of servitude of like like your role being to serve. Yeah, that that can be perverted in in different ways. You know. Like, like, oh, like we're, we're serving that idea of like, I'm here to serve you, but I know what's best for you because that's my role, you know? Right. And then you right. start making decisions for other people. And that's why, again, like that, that feeling that that is your, like, if that is what defines Mumbari culture and they feel that they serve the universe, that means that they're probably making decisions on behalf of a lot of people that aren't necessarily what the people being served would, would be choose if they if they had a choice
0: yeah that's probably true um for some reason and it, it doesn't connect to babylon 5 at all except for the idea of it so have you seen the movie labyrinth yes okay so at the end there's that speech from david bowie as the goblin king he says uh basically he says to obey me to love me and i will be your slave <laughs> I love that line, but it's so true for the Mimbari in in that case, if you're, if you're seeing it that way, that, you know, follow our ways and we will serve you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So servitude, but only servitude in a certain, like we will serve you to make you a better person. And what you think is a better person for you is not necessarily what we think is a better person for you.
1: It, It reminds me of something too. And let me see if this makes any sense, but. Um, I once visited the country of Colombia, mm-hmm. and I was I was teaching like I was teaching geek therapy over there, and I kept saying I was speaking in Spanish and I kept using the word client. Okay. And during like an intermission, uh, someone came up to me and said, "You keep using the word client, but they're not our clients. They are our patients. They are in our care." And the obviously i mean it, the reason why um we learn to say client is because we we feel that we're offering a service right yes yes uh, and the the idea of a patient is that is that that someone that like needs care i mean it, it's more complicated from a from a disease model right but but in general she her, her argument was that they are not our clients they are our patients they are within our care and she was basically what she was saying was that like you're giving them too much credit by calling them clients because that, that almost, that, that signifies that they hired you to provide them a service. But the truth is that they are patients in our care and we are the deciders. And it was such a, it was such a, it was a cultural divide. It was something that because not only culturally, but, but language wise, right. I was saying the word client in Spanish and in Spanish, that word, um in colombia means something slightly different than the way that you and i refer to a client right to them right. Uh, a client is like you know like a like a like an ad agency is talking about a client right yeah. so it it felt very foreign to them but again this this idea that that idea of someone feeling that other people are their responsibility and therefore kind of depriving the 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 patient right of their autonomy and of their of their rights um is terrifying you know and it's it can come from a a position of wanting to help and even feeling a responsibility to help but so many people you know they 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 they're in positions of power and even though their intentions might be good they can do a lot of harm
0: sure you know they can have really great intentions yeah but it, yeah, the, the path of good intentions uh, doesn't always uh, do what you want it to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I thought of, <laughs> just randomly, this has nothing to do with Babylon Five at all either, is to serve man, <laughs> which is you know this one right that the, uh, I, I, was it. They live or I don't remember what it was. It's, a, it's an Outer Limits episode in which uh, the aliens come to Earth. And they are reading from a book called that 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 we finally deciphered. The title is "To Serve Man." And then later on, at the very end of the episode, we find out it's a recipe it's book. It's a, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that I'm was. Sorry, a am sorry, spoilers for anybody who hadn't seen the episode, but by now you should have seen it.
1: I thought that was a Twilight Zone
0: episode. It may be Twilight I, Zone. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I crossed my order limits in my Twilight Zone some, but yeah. <laughs> um, also, you know, always, aliens serving man is always an interesting sort of yeah. uh, conundrum. <laughs> also, this is like a complete. Also, it just reminded me of this, but but we
1: have a another podcast on the network, on the Geek Therapy Network, that uh, follows the story of the of the Assassin's Creed series of games. Just like mm-hmm. we're doing a deep dive into Babylon Five here, this yeah. other one uh, it goes into Assassin's Creed, and. Um what's happening in that game is that there's two groups of people, the assassins and the templars. And the assassins are literally fighting for humanity's right to have free will. And the templars are fighting to remove the free will from the people because they can't choose for themselves, you know? And the mm-hmm. best way to help people is to is to decide for them. It's like obviously this is an idea that is present in many, many, many things, <laughs> many oh, stories, yeah. uh, history, philosophy, but uh, but I don't know. Like the more we talk about it, the the Mimbari they they scare me more and more. Like what you just read at the end here from JMS, I was <laughs> like ugh, that just like that just proves what I thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, we just haven't seen. Uh, we don't have a really good picture of the Mimbari yet, but uh, they they are. Like I, I said, ultra yeah. powerful. Yeah. Could destroy probably everybody in the universe if they wanted to.
1: That's the impression that I've gotten Cause so the, far. Yeah. The
0: Membar uh, the uh the Narn don't mess with the Membari.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The Centauri don't mess with the Membari. No. And the I don't think we have ever care. seen any <laughs> Vorlon Membari uh connection, like or even two- interaction. Yeah, well we haven't seen interaction much with a Vorlon yeah. anyway, so Um, Yeah, but still I haven't seen that happen so far. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, clearly Mimbari stand out above a lot of others sort of yeah, as you said plain pieces. It's interesting.
1: Yep. Yep. Great discussion.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and we've got three big episodes coming up.
1: Yes, we said the same thing last
0: week. We said the same and thing last week,
1: but this time it's it's true. This
0: time it's really true. <laughs> uh so we've got The Voice in the Wilderness, which is coming up. Uh it's a two-parter, but we're going to do it all in one episode. All yes. in one all in one discussion. And yep. then we've got uh Babylon Squared. Ooh, I can't coming wait up after that. <laughs> Can am I right that the next one after that is I don't know. No, There's no Quality idea. of Mercy and then there's Chrysalis. Okay.
1: Oh, Chrysalis is an episode. Oh. <laughs> Oh, so you know what chrysalis is. I don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah, no coming.
0: Just take us home. I'm not. I'm not taking you there right now. I'm not. Nope. Nope. I just wanna. I just wanna peck at you just a little bit.
1: Stop. Stop. Just wrap it up. Let's go. Let's go. All right. <laughs> all
0: right. So we will. We will come back again in uh, in a week or so. Well, I don't know what you. We will come back again, and we will talk about the voice in the wilderness, and we will. Continue to unravel the mysteries of Babylon Five. You will join us, and Hostway uh, and I will pontificate and uh, try to figure out the meaning of all this. We'll try. Yes. Bye, everyone. yes So thanks so much for listening, and we'll we'll see you next time. Be seeing you.